At this point, it's just adding more fuel to the fire. Deflationary rather than inflationary fire, even though at first glance it might seem like this is more inflation. OPEC announced yesterday that they're cutting back more oil production, which buoyed oil prices in the short run, WTI in the United States rising back above $80 a barrel, but the reason for the production cuts are every bit that we've been talking about for quite some time. The OPEC people are realizing or have realized the world is heading for recession because you don't need to cut production, especially with supplies as low as they are, with production as tight as it has been. You don't cut more production if you think, for example, China's reopening is going to go like gangbusters. You think the Chinese demand is going to start surging, especially in the second half of the year. No need to cut oil production now. Just wait for it to happen. In fact, the oil market will take care of that itself. But the oil market has instead gone in the opposite direction. Even though, as you recall, OPEC had cut production by 2 million barrels per day last fall. That cut's still in effect even now. But because oil prices fell to around $66 per barrel in the United States, WTI, last month, coincident to all the stuff going on with Silicon Valley Bank that wasn't really about Silicon Valley Bank, as OPEC knows, global demand problems have come to the forefront. And they've been that way ever since the WTI curve went into contango way back months ago. So the WTI curve has predicted exactly where we'd be, as did all the other money curves. So everything that OPEC has done now, as well as up to now, but especially now, tells you everything you need to know about the state of the global economy. And especially in the context of last week's massive surge in China's PMI. As Stephen Van Meter and I were talking about in our video yesterday, oil, where's the confirmation from oil? And even though oil prices went up, as I said, it's because the OPEC group, the major world's, the world's major oil producers aren't buying that PMI one bit. In fact, they're trying to sell you on less oil just to keep prices up because the PMI was likely an outlier. We've got that, plus we've got the, the ISM in the United States, which more recession confirmation. There's a lot to go over today. We're starting out April as fools. No, we're not fooled. We've got the markets to guide us. And yet again, we see one thing after another, after another, after another. It all continues to fall into place. The 2008 style scenario, not a 2008 repeat but the 2008 style scenario. Let's review where we are to start April. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available where we go into the monetary details, the basics, the background, the curves, all of that kind of stuff. There's also research subscriptions available. Uh, Eurodollar.University is the website. There's a partnership with Markets Insider Pro where you can get a bundle. That's Steve Van Meters, uh, Tracy Shukart, all our research together. Also have the daily deep dive analysis. That's at Eurodollar.University too. Diving deep into all of these things, including the 2008 style scenario and why this was forecast for as long as it has been. All the information, Eurodollar.University. 
So OPEC on a Sunday, instead of with the Fed, instead of the central bankers doing a late Sunday announcement, this week we got the oil producers. The oil producers got together and said, well, the economy's doing just fine. China's roaring back to life. Haven't you seen this PMI? No, that wasn't it. Obviously not. Instead, the oil producers said, well, China's PMI was up at 58.2, but did you see the manufacturing number? That's probably more like what's going on in, the real, in terms of real economic demand. Less energy needed to produce stuff because less stuff is going to be produced. Less energy needed to ship stuff all around because less stuff being produced means less stuff being shipped. And so on and so on. Less energy being needed, oil prices fall, more oil goes into storage, that's contango. OPEC sits back and says, if the U.S. isn't going to produce more, then we'll cut back on our own production and we won't lose market share and prices will stay, remain steady which only compounds the global economic problem because we can't really afford to pay continued, these continued high levels of oil as well as gasoline prices. But that's not OPEC's game here. OPEC is just saying, we want oil prices to be this, and if demand isn't gonna keep up, if demand is gonna fall off, then we'll have to cut supply to match demand. There's our fundamental story for not just today, but confirming where we are in this process. OPEC, again, forget China's PMI, that's proving an outlier. As we said, markets, oil markets, commodity markets, there's just no sign of Chinese demand. And OPEC finally agreed. So what they, what they agreed to do, voluntary cuts, Saudi Arabia said it would cut 500,000 barrels per day, Iraq 211,000, thank you Iraq, United Arab Emirates, 144,000 fewer. Kuwait, 128,000. Algeria, 48. Oman, 40. And Russia, of course, is going to extend its voluntary production cut by the 500,000 continuous to the end of the year. It works out to a little bit over another million barrels per day. Again, it's not a huge amount, but it is. It is a huge amount because there hasn't been all that much oil coming out of the ground over the last several years. Ever since the 2020 pandemic arose and governments overreacted and shut everything down, oil production got shut down and it has not come back anywhere. Then last year's um, geopolitics intruding, Russian invasion of Ukraine, that led to even less oil available. And initially prices spiked because everybody thought, including the oil markets, that demand would be relatively predictable, relatively the same. But as the year progressed and it became clear that demand was actually falling, oil prices fell. And then really when all the curves changed, including WTI, back in November, that was the big one. Even after OPEC had promised its 2 million barrel per day cut, oil prices began to fall a little bit. But the curve shifted from backwardation, really steep backwardation, which is, which is consistent with a supply imbalance, way, way too, too, uh, too, too much limited constrained supply for a given level of demand, massive backwardation. Suddenly, November, that switched to contango as oil was pulled into domestic storage because it wasn't being used around the world. And so OPEC's announcement today simply confirms our interpretation of what has happened in the oil market thus far, what the oil curves have been telling us all along, that the world doesn't need as much oil at the margins as everyone was hoping and, and predicting because the global economy isn't 
going to be saved by China. In fact, China appears to be caught up in the same mess too. We got another data point along those lines, uh, another PMI, this one also from China, though private, sort of private. The Shaixin Manufacturing Index fell to just exactly 50, from only 51.6 uh, in February, so 50 in March, which is, well, it's right on the line, that the magical dividing line, when there isn't really a magical dividing line, whatever that precise. But essentially, whatever reopening, rebound in manufacturing, that's, that seems to be gone. It's already rolling over, like commodity prices, which tells you that the economy is moving more toward recession, even deeper into recession, largely because of the global trade recession that we've seen for several months, really going back to November when everything began to shift. So as I said before, it's all just falling into place. Unfortunately, wish it wouldn't, but that seems to be the case. OPEC, Shaixin, the NBS, China's NBS manufacturing PMI, again, the, the non-manufacturing PMI in March, more and more isolated as an outlier. Today is April 3rd, it's the first trading day of April, first weekday of April, which, which means in the US, we got the ISM manufacturing, the very first, the original, the granddaddy, the PMI of all PMIs. And this one, again, all the pieces falling into place. The headline PMI 46.3, which is now the new lowest since May 2020. 46.3, solidly into recession territory, as are the internals. New orders, oof. 44.3 from 47 that's just above the january low of 42 and a half so between january and march remember these things fluctuate all the time month to month so between january and march you're solidly in the same camp as 2020 or 2008 2009 or 2001 take your pick it's recession employment this might be the big one because we've been waiting for employers to finally crack. When they finally saw that the inventory cycle is working against them, orders are following, and they're not going to rebound very quickly. They're not going to rebound maybe at all in the foreseeable future. If you're, if you're seeing orders drop and you're a manufacturer, you know what retailers have been complaining. You know what they've been saying on their, on their corporate reports, their earnings reports and whatnot. But you hope maybe maybe just maybe this interest rate stuff will go away maybe the economy will rebound china will start picking up again so even though orders aren't good right now we're going to hold on to our workers because we're waiting for the time when the rebound comes and we don't want to fire a bunch of people and have to hire them back again it'd be much better for us to just wait this downturn the soft landing part we'll wait that out and then the rest of the year will be fine but once you realize that maybe there won't be a pickup in demand, maybe it actually gets worse, you were thinking about uh, laying off workers before, now you actually start to do it. The ISM's employment index fell to 46.9 um, outside of 2019 and 2020, and one time in 2016. That's again, it's low consistent with only recessions. Um, in fact, the employment number, you look at that, it's. That's like spring of 2008 type of territory. On the way down into a recession, you saw 45.8 in February 2008, ironically, just before uh, all the stuff with Bear Stearns. And maybe the key here that tells us about employment, um, manufacturers, backlogs of, of orders, according to ISM, 43.9 down from 45.1. What that means is that 
not only are new orders failing to come in, but all the old orders that you've already booked, you're starting to work through that backlog, meaning you got no new orders, you got no backlog, you got no production, you got no, no additional production. What is there left to do with all these workers? And if you don't believe that there's going to be a rebound in demand, which OPEC is confirming there isn't going to be globally, you start cutting workers. The mass layoffs, they start to come fast and furious, especially as there's no sign of a turnaround in the inventory cycle. And that's all before we really get to the fallout from last month's big deflationary outburst. Remember, two components to the 2008 style scenario. We've got the bad economy, which is everything that we've been talking about, especially today too. And all that stuff with the deflation, I mean, the banking, it wasn't about Silicon Valley Bank. It's not about Credit Suisse. It's about the monetary details behind them, which hasn't gone away. Even if the banking difficulties seem to have disappeared from the front pages, they're no longer screamed about on every business channel on, the, on TV, that doesn't mean it's not still happening under the surface. We can still see signs, the ebbs and flows of deflationary money that haven't disappeared. They haven't dissipated. Things haven't gotten any better. And we know this because the markets are all telling us that. Despite OPEC's announcement, despite the short-run knee-jerk reaction, oil prices, as I said again, WTI back above $80 a barrel in the U.S., guess what? The WTI curve is still in contango. Even though oil, OPEC is saying, we're going to take more supply off the board, it's still contango there right at the front two contracts, the front month and the, fir and the first month after it. It's not much. It's just a few pennies at the moment. But it shouldn't be there at all. And what that's saying is that the market, the oil market specifically, has looked at oil, OPEC's uh, production cuts. It's looked at the supply constraints domestically and everywhere else around the world, and is still more concerned about the potential for further drops in demand. That's why that little tiny bit of contango is hanging on at the front, even though the entire uh, WTI curve has moved up. The market is still hedging short term as if demand, we, we still haven't seen the worst of demand. So again, China reopening, nowhere to be found, nowhere. OPEC production cuts, still not, still not balancing the risks according to the marketplace. The risks remain all on the demand side. We see that in all the usual curves, the treasury curve today, the two-year treasury note, very interest rate sensitive, that's back under 4%. So if you're thinking this is higher oil prices mean transitory disinflation, that inflation has been reignited by OPEC, market says, nope. This is, again, more about the demand part of it than it is the supply or the temporary increase in oil prices. So even though CPIs might go up, the schedule for rate cuts is still on track. In fact, it's even further on track. We look at euro dollar futures. Right today, Eurodollar futures are being bid in the farther out contracts, especially that 2023, early 2024 window, the whites into the reds, uh, the June to December 2023 contract, that inversion is now minus 75 basis points. So like OPEC, like the rationale behind OPEC's production cuts, the Eurodollar futures market is saying, yep, all the pieces are falling into place for a 2008 style scenario. 
got the ISM, we got all that stuff about manufacturing and inventories, potential employment problems, the bad economy. We still have got all the bank stuff. So even if oil prices do tick up in the short run, it's not likely to create inflation. It's not going to lead the Fed to higher for longer because the higher the conditions that would need to be in place for higher for longer they're just not happening the economy is continuing to get weaker and weaker and weaker and we still again haven't seen the fallout from the stuff last month but this last month now because now it's april again treasury curve german curves all the curves the 10-year u.s treasury is back down to around 340 again inversions the bad steepening that's all hanging in there markets are telling us the worst is still ahead as did opec for the for the 20th time in this video opec confirming the problem is global demand throw out china's big pmi from march outlier nobody is buying it commodities lower rolling over copper was down today the 2008 style scenario We've got bad economy in everywhere we look demand uh, not just for oil not just for commodities but demand for in general terms questions are overwhelming the supply side of the equation even though the supply side of the equation especially in oil continues to be um, restrictive it's still lack of production still less production. now we have even less production and the markets are continuing to look at demand. Demand, demand, demand. And that demands that we recognize that these curves have been telling us and warning us all along that these things were likely to happen. And now that they've happened, the curves are telling us there's more of the same to come, if not worse. Eventually, the Federal Reserve is going to have to admit to the truth, which is that inflation is not the biggest risk and it never really was. 2008 style scenario has been on the table since the middle of last year, if not before. So stay tuned for that. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge thank you, Eurodollar University members, as well as our research subscribers. Until next time, take care.